do we want to talk about Baby Yoda before we get into this? Are we all right? Are we okay? Baby Yoda, he's a tiny little baby Yoda. Welcome to Buckkeep Radio. We're coming to you from inside the walls. This is episode 13, Assassin's Quest, chapters 16 through 20. And I'm Rachel, a rereader. I'm Eli, a rereader. I'm Ashley, and I'm a new reader. I'm Joey, a first-time audiobook listener. So special note, Jenny is not here for this episode. She's doing something cooler than this, and... Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Her brain Debatable. cells have been cut down by half. <laughs> Depends on if she's winning or not. <laughs> and uh, But she, I'm sure she's devastated to not be here for chapter 20 because it's good. And uh, yeah, if, if we're bad about facts, it's because Jenny's not here. She's our resident fact keeper. Mm. Me, on the other hand, I just make stuff up and say it like, declaratively i'm like that happened i make sure i get everything wrong <laughs> yeah, you're 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 right until proven wrong <laughs> so speaking of right who did chapter 16 summary i did chapter butthole all right take us <laughs> away with bolt hole i actually i didn't write butthole I just. Well, I didn't write says, butthole. It somebody, says butthole in the doc, butthole. Joey. Somebody I wrote, wrote the comment in orange that says every time I read this, it says butthole. Oh, but then I, <laughs> but then I was obligated to change it to butthole. Oh, so you, so did you did change it. To so you did. Fine, but I wasn't the ori- I wasn't the originator of butthole. <laughs> okay. Um, anyway, uh, this chapter's kind of boring. In fact, not really anything happens in it. But let's get on with it. Um. Some deets about the dangers of getting too close to your Bond beast. I feel like that's, like, kind of too late, too little too late, because Fitz was basically living inside of Night Eyes, so I don't know how you get any closer than that. And he was basically a wolf after he came back out as a human. So, uh, too little too late. Um, Fitz is longing for Molly and his kid, uh, because there's a pilgrim's woman's baby is crying, and it makes him think about that, and he takes this, he has a weird pride about it. Um, Night Eyes provides some annoying feedback that Fitz didn't ask for about being a good provider, and it's pretty clear that Heart of the Pack slash Burritch makes a better provider than Fitz. Yeah. (laughs) That's pretty... Burned by our own wit beast. Yeah, like, he even, like, yeah, that's sad. That's, that's, I mean, if he, if he doesn't know who does. Yeah, Um, Night Eyes is like, oh, okay, she's fine. She's fine. (laughs) (laughs) She's fine because you're not taking care of her. Um... It's it, so this chapter is a lot about how cold it is. Okay, so, um, so we'll get through that. There's just a lot of you know talking about it being cold. Um, they're following a river upstream. The terrain the terrain changed into more scrubs. That's not an important um, <laughs> kettle. There's some conversation about for, between um, Fitz and Kettle, and Kettle's kind of speaking cryptically about the person she's looking for, the White Prophet. Is he out? Gee, I wonder who the White Prophet is. I don't think that's a secret. Uh, then, then it is kinda, for Fitz. <laughs> it's of course a secret for Fitz because the guy is completely clueless. Um, and then she philosophizes about the White Prophet. 
who they could be and, and, and how they can break the cycle in time and move it into a better path, yada, yada, yada. That sounds important, but... Fitz Joe's shows... not interested. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, this... You know, every time the one like, the one important part of the he's like no, it's yada skip. yada yada. It's <laughs> like I mean I mean come on, it that everybody knows. Okay, no, but okay, with, continue. So <laughs> ke, uh, we're gonna kettle, circle back. We're gonna circle back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, whatever. Um, Night eyes rolls up and Kettle mentions it and is like Fitz is trying to pass him off as a dog still, and everybody's like, no, that's yeah, that's definitely a wolf. Um, the pilgrim. <laughs> he always thinks he's being so good at covering up stuff. He's like, "Yeah, that's my dog." Yeah, the pilgrim- a puppy, puppy. <laughs> I know. It's like that's a that's a wolf. There's a wolf right there. <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay. It's like he has like a pet worm, and he's like, "This is my pet snake." And people are like, "Yeah, that's a." <laughs> not that I would ever compare night eyes to a worm. That's not fair. Um, maybe a snake. Uh, the, the the pilgrimage continues. It's still freaking cold. Fitz hurts and it's cold. Uh, the land becomes... <laughs> this is a very exciting chapter. The land became featureless and finally a village appears on the ridge. That's Butthole. The buildings are newish and well hidden. Um, there's some ginger lady comes and yells at Nick, I think it was, right? Yeah. Um, and then I think they go off to fuck. I'm not sure. Um, they kiss. You're fast and loose today, Joey. Uh, they do, though. But then he, they kiss, and then they go away. Somewhere <laughs> private. Yeah. That's definitely Boink They went to Bone Town. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Turns out the barn is also cold. <laughs> <laughs> Not Eyes wants to eat some coupons, and, you know, Fitz is like, don't eat them. And then he finds and eats some bunnies. All right. Uh, then And then we get some sassy tea time with Kettle, you know. Uh, Starling starts up the music. Kettle tells Tom he looks Tom uh, Fitz looks familiar, and then he reveals that he grew up in Buckkeep. He just says it. He's like, "Yeah, I grew up in Buck." And then he's like, "It's like he's funny. It's like he's saying it." And he's like, oh, "I shouldn't have said that." Um, so he's you know not not being a very good ninja right now. And um, he's not uh, a ninja. He's not Small a ninja. Note. He's not Small a ninja. Fitz is not <laughs> so a ninja. it's fine that he's not a good ninja. Okay. Um, not a ninja. Um, <laughs> God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, grew up in Buckkeep. Someone is angry about wet bread. That's not important. Fitz interrupts Starling to ask how long it will be until they get to the mountains. Starling confronts Fitz on the 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 wittedness on his wittedness because she knows, and he confesses the perfection of his, their bond. So he's like, he's like, it's beautiful, it's lovely, I, I love him. Fitz explains how he's wed to Molly and has a daughter, and Starling's all like, yeah, sure, is it really a marriage? It's, I don't know if it's legit, because clearly Starling's trying to get in there. Um, <laughs> it's cold, Starling tries to get with Fitz, it doesn't work out, Fitz is still obsessed with Molly, it, by the way, it's cold. The end. There's your chapter. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So I want to read something. Um, Ooh. Yeah. So this is when Kettle is talking about the prophet. Um, and she says, far to the south, there is a land where they believe that for every generation, somewhere in the world, there is a vampire slayer. No, wait. There is a white prophet. He or she comes. And if what is taught is heeded, the cycle of time moves into a better course. If it is ignored, all time is pushed into a darker path. 
And they continue on for this discussion. And then Kettle says something which I think is very interesting. She says, each time one succeeds, it is easier for the next one. And when an entire cycle passes in which every prophet succeeds, time itself will finally stop. Yeah, that does sound kind of important. Yeah. (laughs) Keep it in mind for chapter 20. (laughs) Keep it in mind. So then, of course, Fitz says, so they work for the end of the world. And Kettle says, well, not the end of the world, the end of time, to free humanity of time. Now, this is something that we that is found in, you know, many actual religions, right? But it's mm-hmm. also part of that, like, cycle that we see in fantasy all the time where there is this, like, overarching fate, right? There's There's something that's driving the action all the time and that there are two diametrically opposing forces, right? This is the force in, you know, the dark side and the light side. This is Wheel of Time, for, you know, and Tarman Gaidon. This is, this is like the big fantasy stuff that we're in this genre for. So what oh. do you all think? Yeah, I didn't care about any of that. <laughs> <laughs> As evidenced by yourself. <laughs> I don't know. I like the next couple of lines to where you stop reading. It's like, to free humanity of time, for time is the great enslaver of us all. Time that ages us, time that limits us. What's that be- made me really depressed. Yeah, That's what's better? True. What's Welcome better? to Robin Hobb. What's better? Just yeah. sitting around, be living forever in some time? No, I don't get it. No, sorry. Well, I don't think it's immortality because it's not, you're not immortal if time doesn't exist. If you break time, right? I mean, like, I don't know. To me, this is like the heat death of the universe. This is like everything stops. And like, yeah, it's a little depressing. I'm with Ashley on that. It's going to have to be sold to me in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Super depressing. (sighs) Where it's like all all life is suffering, therefore just let's wipe it out kind of logic. But I, I think that's, that it's that's more... That's pretty high villain. That's pretty high villain But I think thinking. it's more philosophical than that. Because I don't yeah. think that they're saying that people would cease. Like, I think people still have souls. People still have fate. Like, there is a... At least in this story, right? It's like, portrayed yeah, as I think you're, that still you're lacking the, you're the constraint just... of the time. Yes, yes, exactly. Like, the confines of it and how we all base so much of everything we do on, like time and deadlines and aging and all of that it's like if we didn't spend all of our time focusing on that then we could actually probably enjoy a lot more mm-hmm. of what we're well, living i, I mean, actually this is a subplot in farscape by the way but, but <laughs> I bring time. Rosemary, time. rosemary and time, and time. uh i, I read it more time, as like the uh, the breaking of this wheel yes where you're you're no longer constrained by this repeating cycle of time where if you don't do the right thing, you are pushed onto this darker path constantly. So I, I read it almost more as like you don't have to you're not you're not constrained by this effort you have to be doing. Right. And this is a fascinating development for a story that when we heard her speak, Robin Hobbs said that the fool was originally a character that was just supposed to appear in the first book and say some funny stuff and then fuck off. Yeah. And now, here he is as the architect of the end of time. But, like, when we do... It's in the first book, too, though, that the fool says, like, where he came from and what he was doing. And it's kind of alluded... I mean, we we know that he can see the future because he's 
Like that's all in the first book. My too. So my there, opinion there is that she changed her mind that. very quickly. Oh yeah, I that. think it was in that first draft that she realized that the fool was more more than what she had originally intended. Well, what the fuck was she planning on before? She said in the she said in the panel that originally it was about story, Verity. It was about Verity, and that Fitz was a secondary character, yeah. and that the fool was also. Um, just like this character that came by for basically, you know, like information dumps when she needed them, but like that wouldn't be around forever and wasn't important. Okay. And also it Starling was a man. That's all. <laughs> well, <laughs> Starling, oh, we're ready note. to move on. <laughs> Starling. Starling's trying to get I was it. so disappointed. You're disappointed in Starling. <laughs> last episode, I was like, nah, she ain't gonna be some player hoe. Like, she just wants to uh, be friends. She's, she's just trying uh, to get that scoop on that story so she can write her song. She's like, Lois Lane. It's so, she's a hoe. It's so nice to just have, like, man and woman be friends. Mm-hmm. And That's... then that bitch-ass hoe got so fresh. So fresh. I mean... In Starling's defense, I don't think that her concept of sexuality and Fitz's concept of sexuality are the same. No, I think she just wanted to be like, hey, it's cold in here. Let's bone. Yeah, it's cold and I'm bored and like this is Right, and like like, not like a super emotionally attached way, whereas, you know, Fitz would be like, no, if I have sex with you, we're married. Right, and she's a minstrel. They have completely different standards for minstrels than anyone else. And Fitz, even though he's a bastard, still holds himself to like... The noble, higher class, you know. The, idea if you have a bastard, you have to abdicate the throne. Level apparently. of yeah, yeah, yeah. He's worfing it. <laughs> yes, <he's laughs> exactly. <worf. laughs> I think in one of the spoiler sections, we talked about how uh, Fitz is like a demisexual, or you know, like someone who needs an emotional connection. Yeah, he's that a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. I think for sure. Yeah, it's just it's not what that's not what Starling needs in order to have a sexual relationship for her. Hot bodies. Sex doesn't change the friendship or the you know what I mean. Like she's just like, hey, it's just something to do right now. I mean, even when he was like, I love Molly, she's like, well, that's fine. You could love Molly, but Molly's not here. Yeah, <laughs> I don't see her. <laughs> um. Anything else? So actually, I do want to get back to Kettle. Do you have at this point, Ashley? What were you oh, thinking about so Kettle? I know. So I'm sorry. Pressure. You're the new reader. And I Joey's... know she's I'm a quite reader. wise. She's clearly smarter than Fitz and sassy. Okay, she, I just want to keep tabs she's on that. Well traveled and worldly, and she knew about the White Prophet and really seems invested in all of that. So I like that this was a uh, her her descriptions are echoing a previous conversation that the fool had with Fitz. Mm-hmm. when Fitz was high and <laughs> didn't really take any of it in. And so he doesn't really realize any... He doesn't make the connection between that and what she's saying right now. Even he though makes you no as a, connection. He makes no He's, connection whatsoever. It doesn't even Even though you as a reader, it's almost... It's like pretty obvious, right? Because as many times as The Fool has brought up Catalyst and... It's, I mean, it's, and it ends with her with Kettle saying catalyst and Fitz yeah, and like, he's he's just like, oh, that makes that. me uncomfortable. I he's don't like, like that. Wait word. a minute, but no, but, at no point in that whole conversation is he like, you know what? I know an albino guy that says stuff. That's weird. Yeah, and he's definitely called me the catalyst, and we had a discussion about a similar thing about and time also my and man the wheel name is and, Changer. Um, my man hmm. name is Changer. <laughs> 
So yeah, uh, he doesn't make the connection at all, and I well, I attribute that. Who, would you expect he's, him to? He's he can be unobservant to, to these before. things. If he doesn't consider it important, he's pretty unobservant to it. But also, he was high at the time. Oh, yes. Yes, he was high. But there are other parts of his life that intersect with that just in that one conversation. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like just the, the fool's appearance, for one thing. The fact that he comes from somewhere else, which he knows. Like, the fact that he's told him things that come true. The fact that he calls him Catalyst. The fact that, you know, he has this other name. Even Night Eyes calls him Changer. And he's just like, no, what? No, no. Why is he so goddamn it's like he, dense? It's like he's refusing to believe it. No, yeah, I think there's a psych... I, I, I would, God, we need a psychologist to just, like, come on the show. <laughs> also, shout out to these very... Um, these. It's weird. There's a lot of books that I've read in the fantasy genre that focus on cold climates. Um, and... You know, I guess because Hob lived in Alaska and the you know Pacific yeah. Northwest, she knows cold, and she describes it in a way that's really visceral. I mean, I will say throughout this entire five chapters that we're talking about today, it was cold the whole time. <laughs> it's very, very cold, and like our temperature here in South Carolina dipped down this last week, so it was cold. And I'm like laying on the couch reading, and I like keep getting more blankets and piling them on top of me. Like, it's so cold. <laughs> I was with them. All right, let's go to River Crossing. Uh, I think this one's mine, right? Yes. Okay. So chapter 17 is River Crossing. The intro talks about how the Out Islanders underestimated the six duchies because they worship Ida, who is a farming god. But even peaceful farmers can only be pushed so far. So a cold morning dawns and Kettle criticizes Fitz's use of elf bark and she's appalled by the amount he's using, but Fitz shrugs it off. The caravan heads out and eventually Nick and his men stop the caravan while they go off to prepare the barge. Fitz uses night eyes to spy on them, but all he sees is a well-ordered operation. Nick and his men begin ferrying the pilgrims and their supplies across the tumultuous winter river. The last trip over is Fitz with Kettle's cart and horse. Nick had deemed it a risk since Kettle's horse was not used to the ferry, which all seemed above board to Fitz. And at the last moment, Nick decides to join Fitz and the other men for the crossing. Then all hell breaks loose when one of the new men attacks Fitz, and Night Eyes defends him, but he and the attacker fall overboard. So Fitz is immediately concerned highly with what is happening to Night Eyes, and he doesn't really put up much of a fuss, uh, but he's, he does manage to choke the other guy and bash his head on the ground repeatedly, <laughs> which is just like the best visual. It's great. Yeah. Uh, so it turns out that the new men are actually guards from Moon's Eye, and Nick had a long ag- had a long standing agreement with them that allowed his smuggling. But this time, they intended to turn Fitz in. Yeah, and they were in cahoots with Nick, but everything seems to have gone sideways. The guards betrayed everyone, including Nick, and their commander is the one that actually went overboard with Night Eyes. So things are definitely not in Nick's control anymore, and they just say that they're working for the Skill Wizard. So Night Eyes manages to get out of the river and curl up in the roots of a tree. Fitz can concentrate on current matters, knowing that Night Eyes is relatively hidden. Fitz is trussed up and taken to the skill wizard, who turns out to be Burl. And he's trying to run an operation entirely populated with idiots. And we do sympathize with you, Burl. We we do. (laughs) To keep Fitz in line, Burl brings in Starling and breaks her fingers, a minstrel's fingers, as a warning of what else he'll do to the pilgrims if Fitz attempts to escape or if his wolf shows up. Fitz can only concentrate on night eyes, and he worries that they are now separated by an uncrossable river. So this is like the action sequence. Um, One of them. 
one of the one of the action yeah. sequences. I loved the way that she ended that chapter with the cliffhanger of like the only question was what side of the river was he on? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a very atypical way for her to end a chapter. Yeah. Crack that can. New bevy. <laughs> um so, at, in the beginning, when Nick and his team are, like, moving forward and they tell everybody to stay in place and Night Eyes starts following them, they yell at Fitz to call back his dog. Right. And he's like, oh, I don't know, he puppy puppy, guess he won't come back. We obviously find out in this chapter that Nick knows exactly who he is, even though everybody fucking always knows exactly who he is yeah. because he's carting uh-huh. around with a fucking wolf. Yep. Um, so... Do do you think that they wanted to, him to call him back because they knew that the wolf would be able to see potentially like the soldiers or the guards? I think and that I type think thing? it was I, particularly astute if they didn't. I mean, I, I don't know how much people know about the way that's and, like, my what question. Their abilities yeah. are, but I think they know that like wolves are dangerous and that he can control the wolf somehow. Right. Yeah. Right. And they just don't they don't want to fuck with the wolf, so they want the wolf away from them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do like this because it's a chaotic chapter and the way that Hob, like, I think she does this kind of a lot where you, you have this kind of plotting, um, like structure where it's like Fitz is noticing everything, right? Like the texture of things and how cold it is and what everyone's saying and his own emotions. And he's really aware of himself and then like action happens and then it becomes just chaos. Yeah. And I, I just, I like that because it, it keeps you, it keep, it's like real life where, you know, sometimes you're like, wait, did I, how did I get here? Did I drive? Like how, you know, and then. You know what time. that is in real life though? When you drive somewhere and you get home and you're like, fuck, I don't remember driving. Yeah. That's your body. Your brain is micro sleeping. That's what that is. <laughs> oh, I was going to say. God. I, yeah, <laughs> so terrifying. I, I really. Ugh, what's the word? Empathize. I, I understand the way Fitz, he's very good at taking in certain things and very good at, very bad at other things. So you get a lot of details that are like sensory details, but he doesn't, he doesn't take in the meaning of them at all. So it's you're like, not described. I'm here, but I don't know what's happening. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, like, do yeah. we think some of that has to do with the fact that he's so bonded to a dog that is really focused not on... <laughs> hello kitty cat hello <laughs> you know like a dog isn't concerned with thinking through like theories and ideas and that kind of stuff it's like we need meat i will get meat and so do we think that fitz is like really focused on those types of things you know so i've never I, thought of that before but that is really i, I think, think you're right it's, yeah he's certainly they're, they're changing each other enough that i think that that is certainly the yeah because like it's easier to see in night eyes what what being bonded to a human has is doing to him mm-hmm. it's harder on fits because yeah you're it's it's very subtle and i think that's the thing and we've talked about this before several times but that is what hob does so masterfully is this kind of subtle pointing of the reader to the feelings i could still hear the cat burn. <laughs> <laughs> she's invested yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh you offended her she left I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. It was commentary. I felt like I was talking over her. 
<laughs> but you know what I mean? It's like, it's not, you're not bashed over the head with it. You're just in it. It's like right. her descriptions of falling into the skill river where it's like, I don't know what this is, but it's all encompassing. And that's uh-huh. kind of what like reading her stories is like. It's like, I, I have no idea what's happening sometimes because Fitz doesn't. Or you're frustrated that you know more than Fitz, so you don't know what he's going to do. <laughs> but it's it's all encompassing and it's like all you can think at least for me it's literally all i can think about like when i get into her books they change my mood they change my outlook they they get in you so i was on the lookout for this because i've read these books this trilogy in the past year and every time it describes those people that are not in nick's group who are yeah. the, they're the the men uh, that are part of the guards, but they are, if you're looking out for the language, they are, they're obviously two fits, not part of Nick's group, but it's described subtly enough that you may think that they are throughout the chapter. So you've got, you've co- continuously got these people who are riding from the other side yeah. back Right. On the on the raft. And you can't really tell why, except that maybe they might be helping with uh, the crossing, the next crossing over. But these are the soldiers that they're bringing over to, you know, uh, to grab Fitz when he's on his ride over. Right. Mm-hmm. I do really like when Burl is like, you're a bunch of idiots. <laughs> you made this so hard. Like, nobody had to fall into the river. Like... You could have just waited for him. Yeah, why did they to be transferred them? to this side of the river, <laughs> and then you just grab him as he gets off of the raft? Like, you know, in that moment, you, I was like, you know what? Trying to attack him in the middle of this crazy river. Point What's made. The bro? Point of that. Yeah. Point made. Why? Why? Why did you write it that way? Because sometimes you truly are hamstrung by idiots. <laughs> <laughs> You know, because at first I'm like, okay, do they just want to like kill him and throw him overboard? But like that wasn't the goal. No, because Nick wanted that fucking earring. He wanted that earring so bad. My question is, why didn't they get him on the other side of the river when he's, you know, in the six duchy side? Why not just? Oh, so they could take him back because Burl had already crossed the river and probably didn't feel like doing so again. Maybe I guess yeah. That, yeah I guess that makes sense. But also from later later things that happened, perhaps Will is also not on this side of the river. So yeah, all the important people might be north. Uh, can we move on to chapter eighteen? Sure. sure. All right. So chapter eighteen is called Moon's Eye. The intro reminds us that Moon's Eye is the mountain town that Chivalry spent so much time negotiating with the Mountain Kingdom at, and this is where Fitz was ultimately handed over into Verity and Birch's care. This is where his story begins. Fitz is marched towards Moon's Eye by Burl's men. He's kept separate from the pilgrims, so he has no idea how they're faring. All he knows is that Night Eyes is okay and he is on this side of the river, and he's ready when Fitz when Fitz is to do something about their current situation. But for now, they're doing nothing. On the fourth night, Night Eyes spots some people moving into camp while he's out hunting. It turns out that it's the smugglers coming for their own, and they are going to lay some whoop-ass on the people who betrayed their agreement. Ooh, the whoop-ass! The pilgrims escape, uh, but Burl manages to hang on to Fitz. 
with most of their supplies gone and Pearl super pissed about not having any of his nice clothes, they continue to Moon's Eye. Fitz is mildly interested in visiting the town where his story literally began, and the prison that they put him in is actually the nicest prison he's ever been in. <laughs> he, he tries to strike it's up. Nice. It's nice. Pinky up. <laughs> Not saying much, but nice. <laughs> he try. He tries to strike up conversation with his guards, but they turn out to be not at all friendly. And one of them really, really hates Fitz's dad. So like, no help is coming from that quarter. Fitz can't even skill. He tries but fails, and he considers how he will use the wit, his only real resource, to get out. Night Eyes is close and ready to go. So Night Eyes ends up spotting some fires around town one night, and Fitz knows that they are too numerous and hidden to be accidents. So he immediately starts trying to get out because he doesn't want to burn to death. Uh, his guards end up leaving. The one that has his keys runs off, and he's fetch, you know, he, he sticks Night Eyes on him. And then Night Eyes comes back, and there's blood on everything. And he's like, oh, my God, did you kill him? And Night Eyes is like, yeah, man. What, like, what did what you up? think was going to happen? What did you? I'm a wolf. I don't have fucking thumbs. Like, what am I supposed to do? So, <laughs> and at the same time, Starling appears to retrieve Fitz. Uh, and it ends up that, you know, she's the one that's been setting all the fires. And she didn't mean for the fires to burn down all of Moon's Eye. But fire is bad and you should not fuck with it, okay? And everything was made out of fucking wood. <laughs> what did you think was going to happen? Oh, man. So Starling takes Fitz and Night Eyes to join Kettle, and they make a run for it into the woods. Fitz is upset that Buck Guards were so crap, and he's told that the pilgrims were raped and beaten. He laments that Shrewd would have killed them all. Uh, he also realizes that, you know, they need to separate from him if they're going to live. He's finally gotten that lesson, so he sends them off. Uh, hey, that's but, my chapter. Stay Oh, out. sorry. So Starling Ooh. says that he really shouldn't blame himself for all of this because he feels so guilty about the guards. Uh, and that she says that he's just a catalyst for those events. But the word usage, it bothers him. Hebrew right. So a just a, a slight adjustment to what you said. Um, the attack on Moon's Eye was also... Nick's people. Uh, also Nick's people. Right, but not yeah. all the fires were Nick's people. Why do we care so much about Nick's people and whether or not they're bad? I mean, I feel like Nick's just a dick. Well, they're not. They're just people who live in this world as well. Yeah. But they're, they were coming in to like get their actual vengeance, and Kettle and Starling had were like, oh, look, I'm trying not to do four-page summaries. <laughs> They didn't care about Fitz. Fitz was not. Yeah, Fitz, on they didn't care about Fitz and no, they didn't care at all. But Kettle so and Starling the only did. People, right? Exactly. The only people that were going to help Fitz were Kettle and Starling. So they used it as a cover to come in and get him. Even though Fitz was kind of well on his way to escaping on his own, but was he? <laughs> hey, man! Night Eyes had the keys. He was going to get out. Night Eyes only got the keys because they were distracted by the fires. No, I know, but they probably would have left anyway had, even if there Maybe. were no fires. All I'm so. saying is him trying to twist them little things to try to get it through <laughs> a window that isn't big enough for him to get through anyways. Not a great plan. I thought that the uh, the old man's description of chivalry was interesting. That he was, he was yeah. just a stuck-up guy who had rules for everybody. He was a little salty. To the common Wonder... people, he was not. Rules. He was not... Yeah, I wonder Maybe why he it... thought that. Because we had we have other descriptions that he was very well respected, but then this uh, 
common person in Moon's Eye did not like him at all. But then later on, we find out that Moon's Eye is where they sent all the bad people. Maybe he was sentenced to Moon's Eye. Yeah. I feel like you'd have meaner things to say then. That guy and his rules. <laughs> he gave us all these rules and then he was out making bastards. Hypocrite. <laughs> yeah. I think that would make them respect him more. No, because like, what if he's stuck in Moon's Eye because he broke some of those rules too? He yeah. was an adulterer. Yeah. Son of a bitch. Those royals. They're such asses. What about chapter 19? Who did this one? That's me! Okay, so chapter 19 is called Pursuit. And the intro gives us a recap on the history of the Mountain Kingdom's relationship with the Six Duchies. They had beneficial trade agreements that were made by Chivalry and Rurisk during King Shrewd's reign. And then ten years later, Ketrickin became the bride to King-in-waiting Chivalry. And when Rurisk died, Ketty was made the sole heir to the Mountain Crown. And that relationship, um, the relationship between the two kingdoms dissolved when all the raider attacks started happening. Then we saw King Shrew died, then Verity went on his mission, then Regal took the throne. Ketrickin had to flee to the Mountain Kingdom. So basically all this hard work that Chivalry had put into the relationship was out the window. And now they're on the verge of war and Regal has his eyes set on making the Mountain Kingdom part of the Six Duchies. Um... So the chapter opens up, Fitz has been rescued, and Kettle, Starling, Fitzy, and the Night Eyes are traveling by wagon away from the burning town on the path to Jompe. And Fitz quickly realizes that to save the two women, they have to part ways because they're going to be hunted down. And because the two women helped him, like they're going to be pretty much murdered, maybe raped, who knows. Um, he sends them off on bareback to hide in smaller towns. He tells them not to actually go to Jompe, but to hide out before they get there. And he and the wolf beeline through the woods. Starling feels slighted. And Kettle, being the smart, wise old lady that she is, totally understands Fitz's angle and um, understands that it's their best chance of surviving is for them to go on their own way. After some traveling, Fitz makes camp and wants to skill towards Burl. And when he does, he feels him being tortured by Regal and Will as though his whole body is on fire. It's um, next level, evil villain style shit. Regal is 100% dark side in case you were on the fence before. Fitz cuts off his skilling, um, but he's enraged by their behavior. And so he decides that he's going to skill again. And he skills and tells Regal that he will die by his hand as certainly as Verity will reign again. And then he skill power smashes. Um... (laughs) (laughs) that's a move in smash brothers (laughs) skill power smashes and it terrifies them and regal tells will to cut off the skilling because he's a feared fitz goes into a skill coma and he bleeds from his nose and when he finally awakens night eyes is laying on top of him to keep him alive and then they get up and they go on their merry way so they trek for a few more days Fitz is planning how he has to get to Jompe. He's not going to tell anybody that he's alive. He's going to sneak into the cat into the palace, rather, um, replenish supplies, find the map that is the original one that Verity is using on his quest. And he's really distracted and his mind is bogged down and they climb up on a ridge and Fitz pulls a Fitz and he exposes himself to a pack of guards and hunting dogs that are searching for him. Night Eyes does his best to lead the hunting party away from Fitz, but a whip-bonded man and his hound find him he is shot in the back by an arrow while he's dangling from a ridge, and Night Eyes manages to save him. 
he also manages to kill some of the hunting dogs, including the Whit Beast, which I thought was super sad. <laughs> um, the rest of the chapters, we see Fitz just stumbling through the rough winter terrain. It's cold. Um, and his lovely night eyes is just like constantly encouraging him and really pushing him to keep going. The arrow is still lodged in his back. He can't remove it because he'll bleed out and night eyes helps break it off. But the chapter ends with them just trudging along barely. Man, night eyes gets the MVP. Yo, he worked so hard in this (laughs) section. I'm like, (laughs) he really hustled and I would just be really resentful if I were him. I would be so pissed at Fitz. I know he's yeah, running. He was he's putting himself he's in. Killing. To... He's performing minor surgery. He's like he's ready. <laughs> yes. What doesn't he do? What can't he do? Swiss Army Wolf. <laughs> he drags Fitz up off of the ridge. Right. Yeah. Not the first time Fitz has had to be bodily dragged anywhere by a canine. Yeah. And then, yeah. Fitz. He's like, let me lift. Let me lift this human man up off of this ridge, and then I'm going to kill all these dogs. Yeah, without nine eyes, he would have not. I mean, and then he still has that positive go get him attitude to keep Fitz going when Fitz just wants to collapse and die. Just keep going, Fitzy. Keep going. Yeah. Um. Uh. Yeah. I think it. The. I think the biggest thing in this is one. You know, really slamming home that Regal's evil now. Yeah, it's like very, very, very official. Yeah, like. (laughs) Yeah, it's like Star Wars level, like. He's an evil man. Yeah. Uh, and also the fact that there are uh, old blood that are willing to contract out. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was really shitty. Traitor bastard. I thought it was really sad the Whitbeast had to die, but like, he, they were dark side. Yeah. They were dark. I do like Night Eyes doing the whole, I'll just break off this arrow for you. It's fine. I know. Yeah, that's not though. You got to push that through yeah i mean this is another yet another chapter where fitz is being not only just like hurt but like this is just more ptsd right like he rack him up he's freezing to death (laughs) he has to keep going he doesn't even know why at this point because he's like delirious and he's got an arrow sticking out of him uh he's seen worse come on i mean yeah he died he didn't die. Is it die? It's it's kind of amazing died. how well he did in that skilling, though. Yeah. Yeah. Really where did the power smash that. come from? It's like no one taught him how to do that or anything. He just yeah. Sort of he was just so enraged, and like he held his hand in a fist, and it started to glow, and then it got really big. And I slapped <laughs> it down. I don't know. Um. It was cool, but clearly it took a lot out of him because he I mean, was he's, like he clearly has incapacitated a natural, for a while. Yeah, and he clearly has a natural talent for the skill that has been harmed in many ways by Galen's teachings and his probably his use of elf bark because everyone points out that he should not be using it. And, right. You know, like... Why do we have a character that's just so bad at this thing, though? I mean, it seems like because life isn't perfect. He got some, he got abused. He's ah, just a, you know he's a tool. I want him to level the fuck up. That's all I'm saying. I feel like this was him leveling up. I mean, but does it stay? Does it stick? I don't know. We'll I don't out. think it's gonna stick. I think he's gonna suck again. <laughs> <laughs> just. 
You know, Joey, think about your favorite glue Frustrating. gun. Frustrating. And how, like, shitty and beat up it is, but it's I don't the like best it. glue gun. I know I should destroy it and find another <laughs> glue gun, but every time I find a new glue gun, it's the same problem. Right, so just keep the one you have. That's Fitz. No, I want somebody to engineer a proper glue gun, and that can be the hero of my story. The right. problem with all this, though, is like, okay, so he did harness this energy somehow or this power, and he did manage to do this little performance, but... Now Regal and Will and everybody know that, like, oh, shit, he's actually really strong. But, like, in Joey's defense, will he be able to do it again? Right. So it's like he kind of showed his cards, but he's going to probably get screwed? I don't know. I mean, if I was a villain in this story and my enemy was Fitz, I would probably underestimate him a lot just because he fucks <laughs> up so much. Right. Like, he has moments where, he wor- where it works out for him, but it's not sustainable. So you just have to, like keep yeah. going he's got serious like luck i mean it is incredible he's like rolling 20s like every <laughs> fucking like, it's like despite all odds it's like how right and when you have i, as I think many he has, resources he has specific things power. that he's good at and there are things that he's not good at at all and he's just trying to you know put them all into one you know that he has to use all of his all of himself in all of his, his tasks and sometimes yeah. he, he he's just not good at certain things his greatest power moves are when he's really just like emotionally driven though like when he goes berserker mode in battle and like it, this instance it's like he's, yeah. he's when he has he's no people being wrong be and is like goes absolutely crazy i think it's that turns his brain off the wit. yeah i think he's i think he's raw instinct yeah he just goes. He goes rage beast, and then you know. Think think about it though. Like Regal has other shit that he's trying to do. Fitz is a side thing, right? Whereas for Fitz, this is his main thing. What is that? What else is Regal doing? He's trying to invade the Mountain Kingdom. He's trying. Yeah, to be he's king. having I mean, parties. I'm sure he's trying yes. to host. It's yes. all those. <laughs> it's all those parties. He has those those orgies. Orgies. He's, got, he's got so yeah. many parties he has to attend to. Getting your so, hair done takes a lot of time. Those curls don't just appear. You can't compare Fitz's bushel to Regal's wheat or whatever. I, oh, I did think it was really funny when they make the note how Burl's hair looked like Regal's. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so sad. Like, like, it's so pathetic. <laughs> Like, yeah, Burl put on a ton of weight. He's trying to be hot. His clothes are too tight, and he's got this, like, jerry-curled hair. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> oh, Burl's pathetic. But in his defense, yeah, he is surrounded by idiots. So. Yeah. And he's all now on fire. <laughs> yeah. In his mind. Yeah. Sucks to be him. Or, you know what? He deserves it, so. It's yeah. Fine. Yeah, he sucks. Bro. Although, I mean, the Fitz does think this multiple times throughout throughout the books, but, like, these people have been compelled to be loyal to Regal. Yeah. So it's imagine kind of yourself in these shoes. True. It would suck. They kind of don't deserve it, but they do. It would they suck it. so bad. They're thralls. Yeah. You could be uh, the bad guy in this story. Let's move on to the best chapters so far. Oh, All right. you guys. Chapter 20 <laughs> is summarized by me, and I apologize for how very long it is, but I put a lot of quotes from the book. Okay. And oh, there's a lot of try and covers, catch so. the theme of these quotes because it's important. <laughs> I don't do that. All right. 
<laughs> so the intro gives a visual description of John Pei Town. What's chapter called? Huh? John Pei. It's called John Pei. Okay. John Pei. The intro gives a visual description of John Pei Town, along uh, with focusing on gardens and buildings and basically the general aesthetics of the of the town. Uh, the overall impression that one carries away is one of tranquility and joy in the nature world. And the chosen simplicity of life there may lead the visitor to question his own choice in life. So Fitz trudges on. He's injured to the point of delirium and Night Eyes urges him to this little village. Um, Fitz has the impression that he's been arguing with Night Eyes, but he can't remember what it was about. He just knows that, Fit, that Night Eyes won the argument. And so you soon learn that the argument was about Night Eyes trying to get him to go uh, trust some people to deal with his problem because Night Eyes can't fix his arrow in his back. Um, so Fitz, completely drained of strength, is brought to this village and he greets a stranger who he, in his delirious state, thinks it's death come to take him away. The man who finds Fitz, Ivory Hands, carries Fitz back to his home and begins to treat his injury. Uh, a couple of women also show up, and they call Ivory Hands the Holy One. Um, the older of the two appears to be some kind of healer of renown, and she plans to remove the arrow in a week once Fitz's strength has recovered a little bit. So at some point, Fitz wakes up in the middle of the night, and we have a big uh, moment here, and he appears to have some of his cognitive faculties back. Um, he sees Ivory Hands asleep by the fire, and he starts describing his features. Um, there is, at one point, he realizes, looking at his features, that this this person is actually the fool, and he appears to have changed quite a deal. He's uh, he's ivory in color, and he's got uh, a more adult physique to him. And so, here's a quote: "For a time, I simply looked at him." The fool wakes up <laughs> and sees Fitz staring at him. And he also seems to have some sort of recognition of who Fitz is. He has like a, a scowl on his face and he's trying to like he's trying to like he's placed something in his mind. You can see the gears starting to move in his head. Um, and he completely confirms it to him when Fitz says. Uh, says his name out loud. Fitz passes out for a bit of time after he realizes that the fool is who he is. And when he wakes up, the fool is sitting behind him, and there's more lengthy descriptions of the fool. And at this point, they have a very heartfelt reunion. And here's another quote. What have they done to me, Fitz? Gods, what have they done to you, to mark you so? What has become of me that I did not even recognize you, though I carried you in my arms? His cool fingers moved tentatively down my face, tracing the scar and the broken nose. He leaned down suddenly to rest his brow against mine. When I recall how beautiful you were, he whispered, brokenly, and then he fell silent. The warm drip of a tear against his face felt scalding. <laughs> so then the uh... fool tells how he dreamed of Fitz would come, but he didn't believe it. How he thought that he had failed in his task, or perhaps that he had never been the white prophet at all. So now, are you making these connections, reader? Are you making the connections between what Kettle was talking about and what the Fool was talking about, what the Fool had been talking about before? Yes, he is the White Prophet. So, huh? No. <laughs> I'm shocked. So, shocked. 
At this point, before he had met Fitz, he thought that the only role he would have would be to watch the world sink into disaster because of his failure. So I I doubt that the that Fitz has realized even now at this point <laughs> what this whole white profit discussion is about. But hopefully, uh, hopefully, it's sort of, sort of sinking into you. Um, the fool has also now revealed some devastating news. Ketrickin's baby is was stillborn, and so without a farseer heir, fool talks about how his task in this world has failed. He was he was working towards a farseer heir to move the timeline, the wheel into a better place. So the fool tells of how Ketrickin was went uh, to the battle site and where she discovered uh, Verity's cloak that she had embroidered for him. So she believed that he was dead. And so at this point, um, Fitz realized or Fitz reveals that he is being compelled by Verity to come find him. So now the fool has some understanding that Verity is alive and his task is not over yet. His catalyst is alive. Verity is alive. So there can be an heir again. Um, so the fool is delighted. Um, they share some more news. War is on the horizon for the mountain kingdom and the six duchies. You've sort of probably guessed that by now, but he goes into more detail about how Regal is moving against the mountain kingdom. He's, uh, they believe paying brigands to go attack, or maybe it's Pharaoh, uh, Pharaoh guards pretending to be brigands or attacking villages. Um, Patience has been sending news to the Mountain Kingdom via smugglers. Uh, Red Ship Raiders have been taking cities all up and down the coast. So uh, the coastal duchies are basically about to fall. Um, And Chade has been active all throughout, and apparently he's even in the Mountain Kingdom right now. Uh, Nothing is known about Kettle or Starling, and Fitz begs the fool to tell no one that he is alive so that he can quietly go after Verity alone. So the chapter ends with a little bit more talk about Fitz's beauty. He laid one long, cool hand along my cheek and then gently gentled the hair back from my eyes to see you takes the breath to see you take breath, puts the breath back in my lungs. If there must be another fate that is twined around mine, I'm glad that it is you. And then the very last sentence in the chapter is, Tomorrow comes early. We've work to do. He laughed unevenly. We have the world to save, you and I. Dun, dun, dun. So there's, I, I probably packed a little bit too much Fitz and Fool. No, uh, never. Fooling around, but uh, <laughs> hopefully you enjoyed that. I thought it was important. Chapter 20, book three. Is when the real story begins. <laughs> <laughs> the fool f- falls in love with people real hard. He was like mm. super obsessed with the king, then the king died, and now he's like all of his focus can be put back into fits. Unhealthy. Uh, well, yeah, fair. He's got a weird life. Well, when you've got to save the world, I mean. <laughs> yeah, it's like. And how wouldn't you if, like, if this is the most important person, if his whole, like, purpose is this human, how wouldn't he develop those types of obsessive feelings? I don't know. Makes sense. Especially when he feels very isolated, but he's found a friend in Fitz. 
But do right. you not what, do you not think that it's maybe mutual based on the level of description that uh, Fitz well, gives? Well, this is this is my point. Is I, what strikes me in these chapters. Let's compare this to the chapters where he's talking to Starling. These oh are God. both people that are very invested in what Fitz is going to do, in right. the choices that he makes, in the future that he is, you know, working towards or not working towards, or you know, trying to avoid. And yet, Starling makes him so uncomfortable. You know, he like doesn't, he doesn't, he feels like she wants something from him. The fool clearly wants something from him. He wants him to do all the things that his catalyst needs to do. But it, he is so much more comfortable with the fool. Like, it's like, we're like the fire and he's laying there and he's just like, like slack and like just the way that he physically feels. Not just emotionally. It's it's well, interesting. These two. These two. He's also known fool for a very very long time, and they've been through some shit. And right. They have. He been. can trust him. Yeah. The fool got uh, clearly got uh, Ketrika into the Mountain Kingdom. You know, like he he came through for Fitz in ways that are not even being discussed in this chapter. There's also. And not to diminish his, I I think that he feels an attraction for Starling, um, just based on the descriptions. Uh, gosh, damn it! What is what is that girl's name from the caravan who tried Tass- to Tassin? Yeah. Tassin. Yeah, so the descriptions that he gave about Tassin, like stretching like a cat, and uh, mm-hmm. there, these there's there's certain descriptions that he gives of people that he then is attracted to for even just a short amount of time. But I agree with what you're saying that she is, she makes him very uncomfortable. I think that he still finds her attractive, Yeah, but that's not, I don't, it's not, it's, it's a totally different thing. Him and the fool. But It's not, it's not the wanting things from him that makes him uncomfortable. Right. It's the, it's the lack of an emotional depth. It's the lack of history, the lack of trust. And, I'm just trying and, to I'm trying to uh, put borders like around. Yeah, the well, like what we said before is that you different know interactions. He, he doesn't want to enter into any kind of casual relationship with Starling. That almost repels him. So this is just driving that home because here we have the fool. He's you know like Fitz is on his deathbed. He's waking up. You know, like he's just come through this terrible thing and he has even more terrible things maybe to do in the future because he still has to get to Verity. And here's this person from his past who's suddenly making all these demands of him. We have to save the world? Like, but he's comfortable. And didn't he just run out on everybody to get away from these these exact obligations? Yeah. Yeah. So it's not it's not the demands being made. It's not that people want things from him, right? And this is something that has also come up before where Burrich and Shade wanted him to do certain things and Shrewd wanted him to do certain things. And that's never really been the issue, I think, for Fitz. He wants these people, he wants the people he cares about to be happy, so he will do those things. But like Starling is new. She doesn't get she doesn't get that kind of treatment. I don't know. I just think that the between the first chapter, the bolt hole chapter, and this chapter, it's an interesting dichotomy. Because he's still like sleeping and like you know, relaxing in a sense. As much as one can with an arrow in their back. Right. 
I was really, 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 I've been like waiting and waiting and waiting for when we were going to get the fool back. So I was really excited. As soon as he read the line about, he was like, oh, holy one. And he's like, I'm not the holy one. This man's got an arrow in his back. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so a while back, I mentioned that in the audiobook, you can tell sometimes who characters are based on how mm-hmm. the voice is given um, before that it's actually apparent in the writing. And this is the exact situation that I was referencing when I said that. Yeah. Well, and Fitz does say, like, he recognized his voice, but he couldn't place it. Mm-hmm. The, the slow opening of his eyes where he just stares at him, and then the, uh, you know, and then the fool opens his eyes, and they just kind of stare back. Yeah. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> What's with the fool's eyes changing color? I know he makes, ah. like, an offhand comment about, like, as I get older, I'll start getting color, but... The whole, yeah, the why whole, is he whole... turning color? All of the fool has changed color. It's just more... The eyes are the place where it's the most clear because like his eyes are now like a honey color or a golden color right but when they say ivory they mean like like beige right instead of white instead of stark ass right so he is he is he's ecru what about yeah his, what about his yeah. chiclet teeth i don't know maybe they're closer together now <laughs> but his hair is still kind of his hair is still <laughs> his hair sounded unfortunate now you understand what the struggle when we're buying wigs. It's very difficult. <laughs> uh, um, so, yeah. Ket mm-hmm. lost the baby. That's unfortunate. I kind Which of, I guessed. was, that I sucks. was expecting that to happen. I, I mean, that sucks. It just seemed like they couldn't all have made it out. You know, she's like such some, an unfortunate character. I know she really drew the short straw, but. But I I take issue with the fact, like, everybody in this book, and maybe this is just how it was back then, but, like, everybody is like, I found this article of clothing near a dead body, so it must be that person. Because Burrich did it when yep. he found yep. Winnie the Pooh with the pin on the shirt. <laughs> and then Kenny is thinking the same thing because she found a cloak of Verity's near a dead body. And she's like, oh, well, he must be dead. And meantime, like... Fitz has stolen how many cloaks <laughs> along with his? Like, he's never had his own. He's only taken other people's. So it's just... It's, it's kind of like a trope, right? Like, even in Lord of the Rings, when he finds um, the, the horn that's been cloven in two. Mm-hmm. That it's like, oh, to well, a... it, clearly this means you're dead. Because yeah. you... This is broken. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I know now. Not Boromir. Yeah, he's dead. Sorry. Yeah, I that, that is that's not something I've noticed before, but yeah, that is a way that that is the uh, dead but not dead trope in these books. <laughs> Gonna look for it some more. Um. Okay. So clearly, we've upped the stakes. It's no longer about you know Fitz versus Regal. It's no longer about getting to Verity so that something can happen with these red ship raiders because they are still fucking with everyone uh and no one is stopping them like patience is trying but that's not happening uh we're we're here to save the world it's it's gotten bigger (laughs) uh so friends in high places character introductions and exits uh nobody i mean 
I suspect that maybe Nick and his folk are the smugglers that Patience has been sending stuff via. I mean, we don't know any other smugglers. We don't know any other smugglers. Just because and we they... haven't met them doesn't mean they don't exist. No, yeah. that is true. And like, who knows how Shade's getting back and forth? There is a river. Um, but it would. It I would just love the things... descriptions of Shade. Like, you know, he's he's got a robe that's red, with, full of stars. He's swagging swaggering <laughs> around like he's twenty. He's got a sword around, sword on him, and he's like, you know, ac- acting extra youth- youthful. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what? If you ever guys ever see this movie, and it's not on Disney Plus, but there's this movie called The No Mobile, and it's got oh this God. this old man who's trying to break out of an insane asylum, and he's creeping around in his slippers. That's shade. <laughs> Disney Plus, get on your ball and get The No Mobile, the 1950s classic. On he's, there, he's just so been in the wall for 60 years, and he finally gets out, and he gets yeah. to. He's gonna live sixty years. I just envision him is left. like that one scene from Spider Man when Tobey Maguire is walking down the street. And yeah. Like, hey. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Oh my gosh. I don't condone that movie at all. I hate that movie. I hated Tobey Maguire's Spider Man. Disclaimer. We have a uh, no. Nobody's really been introduced or exited, really. So I guess besides Nick and his folk. So. Yeah. Bye, Nick. Uh, skills acquired. Uh, I put prison escapes. Uh, I'm going with power smash. Power smash. Power smash and... is a good, good one. And uh, night eyes can do the wit stealth mode now. That's something we. Oh talk yeah, about. that oh, yeah. was cool. Yeah, yeah, where he's like, "Yo, player, I can be on my own. You ain't got to be in my shit all the time." Yeah, I think he's so he's he's learning how to do what. Uh, what Black Rolf was t- going to teach them. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like maybe Night Eyes might be studying the wit, whereas Fitz isn't paying attention. <laughs> it seems like, you know, all those times uh, Night Eyes is like, I'm smarter than you. I'm the leader. I'm better than you. He's correct. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think yes. so. Taking initiative. Also, like, he recovered so fast after he fell into the water. Yeah. Yeah. He was. Uh, well, he went hunting. He ate some food. He, he slept. <laughs> he was back on his feet right away. Uh, so speaking of night eyes, animal assists are night eyes. Obviously MVP. Yeah. He he he's he's taken Killed people out that want to kill Fitz. Surviving near death experiences. Taking out whole groups of people that want to kill Fitz, keeping an eye on Fitz while he's in prison, telling him there's fires, keeping him going, performing minor surgery, finding people to help him with the more important surgery. Oh my god. He did 90% of everything in these chapters. (laughs) He absolutely did all the work in this section. Uh, Of course, there's Ashley's favorite section was the fool there and how creepy was he being? How creepy was he being? You know, I hear what you're saying. I don't, I feel. I haven't been charmed. <laughs> I haven't been charmed, but this is not, this isn't creepy to me. I feel like he was not creepy. I was super pumped. I was super pumped to see him again. I don't think he was being creepy. So he's just like a, a one. Maybe. Okay. Maybe the I'm... face caresses could bump him up to a two. <laughs> In addition to getting getting more color, he is also becoming more coherent. <laughs> that's true. And therefore, yeah, there were a creepy. lot. There were that a lot a less good, riddles. That's a good observation. A lot less riddles. Yes. 
Uh, but we still got a few. We still got some caustic comments. Yeah. <laughs> I like the uh, the the dry humor that you get before it's totally revealed that he's the fool. Yeah. When uh, I, I, I don't remember. I don't think it's even given her name yet. The healer doesn't have a name. The, the other healer, one is, yeah, the uh, healer uh, asks... Uh, calls him the holy one and he's he's like you should you should talk with Fitz about being or talk with this guy about holy he's got a hole in his back <laughs> I don't know I didn't do it justice but he made it funny uh, Fitz Missouri the bastard has a moment I mean he doesn't he takes a lot so I'm just gonna I'm gonna I'm not gonna pick on him in this section he got he got pretty fucked up he got fucked like but some of it was his fault like the whole thing All on the ridge it. like come on dude like he's stealth yeah. mode you're fucking you're running away because you know you're being hunted and he's just like hey up here peak assassin skills I think he was probably pretty exhausted at that point because he's being well, chased he said by that people he was on like horseback. Mentally checked out, like he was super distracted. Yeah, just trying to put one foot in front of the other. So that brings us to, but did you die? Uh, he did not die, but he almost died. He almost well, did. TBD because he still got that arrow in his back. Yes, Night Eyes uh, almost died too. It might then, get infected. So Jenny has lots of notes in here. So. Uh oh, he did not die by the will of his wolf in the arms of the fool. <laughs> uh, look for that fan art coming to you. <laughs> uh, and then what made you cry? Uh, Jenny also put all of chapter twenty. <laughs> yeah, I will say, like, I was, I was a little like choked up reading that, like, the reuniting of the two of them, but yeah. It's, it no, it's nice, nice because, again, like Fitz is always better when he has a team, and you know he ha- he's been he's got this kind of ragtag team going, but he doesn't have anyone that really knows him because he's he's kind of afraid of judgment, and you know these are people that he's known since he was a child. They don't like he's kind of he cares about their judgment, but they are less likely to judge him in right. a way that makes him super upset, especially the fool. He's he's like me. He judges himself plenty. Can't right. can't handle any extra. <laughs> so Joey, final section. Did Fitz suck? Uh, yeah. Though. What I mean, he did. Oh, what? All right. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody. Nobody said anything. Nobody said anything. <laughs> I'm gonna. Go out on a limb and say that there's a point in this book in which he doesn't suck, but we haven't reached it. <laughs> he was actually decent in the last section, but you weren't here. Oh, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. That's probably why he was. When he decent. kills Bolt, that's pretty solid. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Uh, okay, anything else you guys want to talk about before I send our new readers away? I thought his taunting of the. Uh... When he was talking to the the people who had him jailed up in Moon's Eye, I thought he was yeah. being being a little little suave there. Uh, yeah, I was kind of impressed. I feel like he handled that whole situation pretty well. Not still not convinced that he would have gotten out without 
you know, the people coming to him, but whatever. I just want to point out that Starling had some broken fucking fingers this whole time. And yeah. Uh, also, helping. I want to point out that Starling has probably suffered from some other things as well, but we'll get to that in the next section. I Do they do they deal with that at all, though, in, this, in these really. books? Because I feel like it's absent. I, I mean, like, they said like that like some of the yeah. pilgrims were raped so by the soldiers, yeah. so we know that much. Like, mm. it's come up, and there was one other time where it came up, too. Because I remember being like, oh, I had made a comment about how there wasn't rape. And then, like, the next section there was. I was like, oh, yeah. that's a bummer. But. Yeah. We'll talk about it in the next section because, like, Starling kind of brings it up a little bit. Um, but, yeah. It's. I hate reading about rape. Ugh, yeah. It's the worst. It's, it's something we could talk about. Uh, any Anything else? Yeah, I feel like if you were to compare this book, these books with Game of Thrones, like Game of Thrones is like rape, 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 and then the, the, then Robin Hobb was like, "We're not doing that." Thank God, I yeah, I've literally like put down books before where like some tangential like sub storyline has rape in it. I'm like, nope, I'm done. That's not why I read. Yeah, yeah I don't need to do that. Um, All right. Okay. So the reminder then is for next reading section. It's going to be chapters 21 through 25. It's going to be great. It actually is kind of great. I know. I I've already. I'm, <laughs> I'm on chapter 22. How dare you? So. <laughs> I'm going to have a miserable two days though. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, sign out uh, my new readers, please. Alrighty, you guys. I'm Ashley. You can find me on Instagram at ladybirdparker. My name is Joey. I'm powerkid.exe on Instagram. Check out all of his stuff right now because it's really cool. Macy's uh, Thanksgiving Day Parade and his floats. Yeah, there will be some stuff. It press day was today, so I get to post everything I've been working on for the past year. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, it's art. I got constant. to see it. In There's ham. Last night. They like the way it. I say ham, 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 ham. <laughs> Green eggs and ham, ham. It, I was I didn't expect everything to be three stories tall, but it is. That Lego always, build is fucking cool as shit, Joey. It's so it's, cool. Thanks. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to to create. I know. To, I know you went through a lot in that whole process, but it, it looks like it came out really amazing. Yeah, I mean, I, I I had a lot of fun with it, and I have a lot of respect now for um, all the Lego modelers who do that stuff from scratch. I'm like, man, they this set is probably like hundreds of hours for at least a couple modelers. But like when you're building, you're like, oh yeah, that makes sense, cool, you know. But when you're doing what they call a free build, it's like, it's it's tough, it's hard. I I have to say, but fun. <laughs> <laughs> they paid well, him to say you... that. You will, uh, our next ep this episode comes out before Thanksgiving. Our next episode comes out on Black Friday. So Ooh. between now and then, hopefully people will have seen some of your work. And if you are one of our international listeners, of which I think at least half of you are, uh, Thanksgiving is an American holiday and the Macy's Day Parade is actually a really big deal. You just said, <laughs> hold on, you just said Macy's Day Parade? What's Macy's Day? The Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. That's too many Macy's... words. Macy's Day Parade. <laughs> well, Macy's Day, where everybody goes and throws their money at Macy's. Um, I mean, it's... that's fine, I guess. That's but what it's I mean. what, how many, how many viewers? 50 million? 
It's some crazy amount, and I'm yeah. always shocked that it's still so many because there's so many, like you know, cord cutters. Like we're we're that's we are too. Oh, you know? I hook up. I put. I have a Thanksgiving ritual. I have a little 18 inch TV that I've had for like 10 years, and I have a little antenna for it, and I put it in the kitchen, and I hang up my antenna way up high as high as I can get it, and I get the local station, and I watch the parade while I make my coffee and get all my shit going. And then I cook, and then I watch the dog show, and then I'm still cooking after the dog show, so I watch the parade <laughs> again, because they bring that oh, shit wow. back on. I love it. That's it's cool. great. That's good to hear. Yeah. It's like I watch super it ingrained Verizon in my tradition. I watch it on Verizon 360, which is on YouTube, and it's fun. Wait, so they, they, they th- Verizon 360, they, they actually put it on some of the floats, don't they? Yeah, it, it like goes around the whole, it's not just, actually, you get kind of like a better view because you get both sides of the street sometimes. It like cycles through all the different cameras. Well, that's cool. But you don't get all those really amazing... Um, I was going to say, you don't get the performances and stuff, do you? So I don't, you don't get the performances on Verizon 360, but there's usually like a bunch of people who are live casting okay. on YouTube as well or on Periscope, and I just watch it that way. Macy's Parade is one of my favorite things, so... Cool. All right. Uh, Eli, can you take us out, please? Um, yeah. Uh, my name is Eli, and you can find me at Chewy Bread Cosplay on Instagram. And I'm Rachel. You can find me at Darth Rachel on Twitter and Darth underscore Rachel on Instagram. I don't say any other stuff anymore. It's too long. I'm just going to remind you that you can email us at buckkeepradio at gmail.com. You can also DM us on Twitter and Instagram. Next up is Twitter. So, welcome to the spoiler section. Ooh. This is where we talk about the gayest chapter yet, chapter 20. It was who cares so about gay. anything else? I really liked that chapter a lot. And it's I'm so glad good. that nobody else had done the chapter summary yet by the time I got around to it. So, I was like, yes. Because it, it was last. <laughs> I, I, you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of in the the... Um, the Tawny Man trilogy when the fool comes back and they spend all that time like in the cabin together. Yeah. And like Night Eyes is curled up in front of the fire and they just kind of like laze around together. And I'm like, oh, this is like that. This is that moment. Except for the whole time, in at least in this upcoming section that we're going to read, the kettle is there too. <laughs> <laughs> and like sometimes Starling and sometimes Shade. It's weird, but... For that for that one moment where they open their eyes and stare at each other, it was like it was that. It was, know? and then later, <laughs> then later on, you know, the uh, night eyes comes and it is immediately like cool with the fool, like they're down with each other. Oh yeah, night eyes loves him. Yeah, I think it's so it's the level of description that Fitz goes into when he's talking about the fool is like five times. Anyone else? Anyone else, including Molly. And Molly, it's just like a com- oh. it's like a compulsion at this point. I think the the only other person he might describe as much is sometimes Shade, but it's never, it's not as much. It's just more than the others. Mm-hmm. But like, not definitely not Molly. I have no idea what Molly looks like. I know she has dark eyes I, and dark hair. I can only assume that she's just fucking hot like she's just got to be the hottest person the, is she because i feel like starling is probably hotter 
I don't know. I think that there's a certain level of swagger you get by being, uh, by being like famous, basically. Like, right. I, I, she's got that swagger. She's got that. I'm in front of people and I talk to people. Like you don't well, necessarily also, have to be fool, hot to be in the uh, in the swagger. upcoming section. The fool says that thing about where he's like. It's like, why don't you like each other? And he's like, because I'm a man and I don't want to bed her. And Starling can't figure that out. So it's oh, like yeah, Starling's, that's, that's true. Yeah, she knows she's Starling's hot. used. Yeah, Starling's used to being like sought after. But also, you know, that's fine. It's yeah, just like no, for whatever fine. reason, the fool. Just... <laughs> oh, so good. Um, you were so I want to so read what beautiful. <laughs> I want to read what Jenny wrote. Um, I wrote the gayest chapter yet, and then Jenny said literally the whole thing. What with the face touching and the hand holding and the forehead touches and the you were so beautifuls and the I feel so terrible for not recognizing my one true love and the now that I know you're alive, I feel alive again too. The fool carrying fits in his arms, nursing him back to health. I mean, honestly, Robin Hobb, what were you thinking if not this? <laughs> If if you don't think this chapter is the gayest fucking thing you've ever read, just imagine that the fool is a girl. Like, for one second. I know. Like, and this is, this is like, this is the seed for the Tawny Man trilogy, right? Like. Yeah. Their whole, like, sharing bodies or whatever they do for. Share some souls. Soul sharing. <laughs> Um. Yeah, but he definitely—it's so just to me. It's it's it's. I understand that he is finally in a place where he's being treated for his injury, and he's warm, and we've spent all this time being cold. But all of that is in conjunction with meeting the fool, and I think that that setup is important because as soon as he finds the fool, he is comfortable. He is home. He is. He is his guard is down, and he's not he's not worried about his injury at all. No, at this point, it's it's he's, fine. And he's comfortable. He's he's happy. And all of the time, any other time he gets injured, he kind of like obsesses over the injury. Exactly. He's like he is obsessive to the point where it's debilitating to him. Yeah. And like even later when they're on the road, and he's like, "Oh my," you know, it's. The injury has bothered me. Like, the fool's with him. But in that moment, in that cocoon of that little tent or, like, little house or whatever, like. Even if you go back it, within the same chapter to before he realizes it's the fool, when they talk about how his fingers are frostbit and he's like, oh, I don't mm -hmm. want to. I don't even want to think about that. That is, yeah. like, that's too painful to even think about me losing my fingers. And then, like, never again. And, like, as <laughs> soon as he realizes the fool is alive, like, it's and right there in front of him, he's. Like, that is the only thing on his mind. I just, I love this kind of spiraling out of the fool as well. Because, like, you know, if we talk about them as two sides of the same coin or whatever, and, you know, we can get poetic like that as this as this goes on. But, like, you know, we are with Fitz. And he, Fitz is, like, you know, r ridden hard and hung up, like, wet, right? He, we see him physically and I guess because he is the catalyst going through the motions of resetting time, right? Every time he is the fulcrum, every time he is the stone in the road, it leaves a mark on him. Whereas He's got the a fool, lot of marks on him at this point. And he has point. a lot of marks, yeah. Whereas the fool, we don't see it happening. He's the secondary character. We don't really get in his head. But when we do, when, when our paths cross with him, we see him change. And then eventually we see him, how he physically changes 
but even then it's like oh he's taller his body is different he's you know his skin is like a different color his eyes are a different color like he he's also changing and he's changing at pace with fits not in the same ways he's not being terribly injured until later when they start to converge yeah. into one person but yeah it's yeah, but it's definitely at pace with his progress through the right the prophecy or whatever yeah through his his deeds his task it's how he knows he's doing the good work i guess i don't know it's very it's weird it's never really explained like i know they talked to the other the the other uh prophet who at that point when they meet him and the tawny man trilogy is like super super dark like he's yeah he's done all of his work <laughs> uh and it, like it's like okay like we get it like as something happens like anytime something momentous happens the fool molts right but but, not, it, like, but, but he why? doesn't he doesn't <laughs> seem to attribute it to um necessarily being a definitive descriptor of i don't think he totally understands the process because he did say that he admitted that he didn't think that he for a second, he thought maybe he was a, a false prophet or something. A false prophet, right. And then later on in the next trilogy, he is avoiding Fitz because he doesn't want to make any more changes to time. But he's, right. he's clearly not... Because he thinks he's not, he thinks he's not, he's 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 not evolved totally into his final, final Well, also, form. you know, he's not, he's not a true... Like, when we, we get bits and pieces of what, of who they, where he comes from and how he came to be. And it seems like there was a race of, like, prophetic people. And, and he's, they were, he's some strain of it that's not a fool. He's a strain because his parents yeah. were regular. They weren't white prophets. So, you know, at some point in his ancestry, there are white prophets and then it manifested in him like a recessive gene. So, yeah, for him, there is always that worry that he isn't, he isn't true. I mean, we have people who we're going to meet eventually, you know, the, 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 the pale, woman. the white woman. Yeah. The pale woman. She's clearly not true. She just has some of the abilities, but not the calling, not the destiny. Not the destiny, not her. She doesn't have, I mean, she has a person that I guess she's using like a catalyst, but she's not treating them right. <laughs> um, I am interested to see if uh, Ashley is continued, continues to be disappointed in Starling, especially when Starling kind of does the ultimate betrayal and tells everyone about Molly and the baby. Yeah. But so I, I'm conflicted fun. about Starling because a lot of things about her character I find very refreshing in the story. Yeah, no, the same. I, I like Starling. I like that she is like, I want to make a song. I'm a minstrel. This is what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And I, and like, you know, we're not with her, but she was raped. She was, you know, she's been through some shit too. And she's resolutely continuing on with her plan the same way that Fitz does. Yeah. It's just not her story, and she's in the way, and she's not really a threat. I think he just kind of resents her because she's not Molly, and she's a woman, and there are so few female characters, you know, that it's like, yeah. well, if it's you're hard, here, why aren't It's hard to not make Molly? the comparison, yeah. Yeah. And then there's and also, like, yeah. it's like she's such a good character, and then 
there's all the the jealousy stuff with the fool and things like that that just sort of sour it a little bit but and 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 then they sort of like they in the next next trilogy they just sort of cast her aside she becomes like a lord's husband or well because she has she has a relationship where she comes by and they you know they have a casual sex which is weird because that's like not how Fitz is but again this is post Fitz putting everything into the dragons Mm -hmm. and she brings him hap and then it becomes necessary for a character of character who occupies that place in Fitz's life to not be there anymore yeah, and that's just, when they marry her off. It's kind of an awkward removal I've always, from the story, right? Also, especially because, like, for me, as like a ch- as like a child free person, for Starling to always have been like, I'm a free spirit. I'm a child. You know, like I don't have a child. I don't want to get married and have kids. And then suddenly, it's like all she cares about is getting pregnant. And then she marries that guy. And then she's like, it doesn't matter because I can't get pregnant. And then it's like, oh wait, I can. I'm going to change my whole life and become a completely different person. Yeah. That always I resented that a little bit. But you know, Starling is but is that was also her, her whole thing was finding a place. You know, she was trying to earn right. her place somewhere and this is a different right. way to earn your place. Right. She wanted to like she didn't want to be on the road on on the road minstrel. Yeah, you're right. I just like Starling is complicated and I like that. She has good qualities and bad qualities. She's like real in that way. Um and I hate to keep comparing characters like that to Molly, but for me, that's it's, what makes she's, her more real. She's more than real Molly. than Molly, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, anything else? I mean, we're gonna get some more scenes between, like when when the fool makes his little wolf puppet. <laughs> yeah, so good. I'm sure we'll talk about that in the next section. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of good fool stuff coming. But also, Ashley completely called uh, small ferret killing. Rico. Yeah, I was like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> "How does she good do it? Job. How does she do good it? Good job." I don't know how she does it. I never called that shit. I guess I was too interested in other things. Yeah, I mean, I I'm pretty sure I just assumed that he had no chance. But I mean, that's yeah, he's a fucking is, ferret. That's the uh, the things you don't expect. You should expect sometimes, and that's I don't know. I mean, I like that. I like the irony of that that Regal's ultimate boss didn't actually succeed. It was just like a minor boss. Like that's the insult. It's like <laughs> you got you know. I I always thought it was interesting at the end of this book when Fitz sort of gets some insight into what is driving Regal just because he, he skills into him to compel him to, yeah. you know, make the decisions that will help defeat the red ship Raiders and put everything back onto the, you know, the course it used to be. Um, mm-hmm. He gets that insight that he, you know, it's, it's, it's what you expect. He's just the spoiled kid that wanted to be in charge. He just never grew up. But it's 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 also like so super anticlimactic. Like you get to the very end of the book and it's like, ah, he was just kind of a punk. <laughs> he was. But I think that's also like one of the reasons I like these books is because they're not necessarily plot driven. Like yeah. 
there are I mean, he does some super evil shit, but yeah. And there are amazing things that happen. We do travel all over the map and like there is plot. It's I'm not going to say there isn't plot and like events precipitate each other in a way that's really, really well done and like satisfying to read. But when I describe the books, I don't describe the plot. You know, if I'm trying to convince people to read them, I talk about the character relationships. Right. No, it's all it's all about the characters. Yeah. And they're great characters. I love, I love them. them. I know. Oh, they touch foreheads at least twice. It's they funny. did t- right. exactly <laughs> two times. <laughs> Touching foreheads with the fool. Ooh, ooh la la. Love it. Now we just get to move into no homo fits for a, too many books. For all the books. All the books. <laughs> <laughs> for the rest of the books it's just just so frustrating there are there are moments of clarity with him where he's fine and then like but it's always when they're alone it's always when you know like yeah like, like that like the... alone in the woods in a field it... and that's the only time i can be myself yeah it's, it's like you have you have this chapter 20 where they're so close but I mean, they're by themselves, and then you have like in a few chapters, he's talking with Starling, and Starling's like, you know, the fool is a woman, and the fool is in love with you, and he's like, like in total denial of of the truth well, that is said it in that statement. For, but because for Fitz, that represents the loss of a friend, I think too. In that moment, just contemplating that. Because he needs he needs a friend so much it's, in those moments. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a complicated. It's com- it's com- I mean it's complicated. Uh, I mean the gender stuff aside, it's complicated because like he's, he's still obsessed with Molly and still obsessed with that moment, and then like being offered well, even the contemplation of an alternate happiness is like a betrayal of everything else. I don't even so think I, he's I, obsessed with Molly. I think he's on autopilot with Molly. Well, I mean, I, 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 I agree with you, but I don't know if that was a, the authorial intent. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. Just because. Okay, I, fair. Yeah, yeah I'm, fair. Let's let's not. We'll start another Molly conversation. I just I can't right now. All right. Any, let you wanna you wanna end? Yeah, that's fine with me. Okay. Cool. Talk to you later. Okay, bye. Bye. Most of all, Ferret was the goddamn best. So perfect. I wish he would come back. Slow burn. I hope at like the end of this book, he just comes back and he's the one. He like pulls a Neville and he's the one that kills Regal and not Fitz. That would be cool. (laughs) That would be be very cool. (laughs) Who says? Yeah. Who says any of that will happen? Or not happen. Do not confirm nor deny.